Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And joining me in the studio this week is singer Audra Santa. Audra, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I feel I'm vibrating here. already. <laughs> Can't wait. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's what you're here for. Okay, so Audra, you uh, speaking of vibration, you've caused something of a sensation recently with your new video mm. called Afterglow. It mm-hmm. was censored. Yeah, well, it was. Uh, I shot this video and I released it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was interesting because when I first uploaded the teaser, it was up for six hours on Facebook. People comment, liked, shared, and then it just disappeared. Mm. <laughs> and I had to put it up again. There was no message as to why. And then the following week when we released the video, um, it went up without incident. But mm-hmm. then when I tried to boost and promote it on Facebook through some ads and, you know, to get it to as many people as possible, mm-hmm. uh, it ended coming, ended up coming back to me saying that uh, I was in, unable to do so because I violated advertising standards. Really? Advertising mm-hmm. standards. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It was a little too uh, sexy, apparently. Mm. But I think what happened is... Um, I imagine that the Facebook bots probably s- saw too much skin because there's quite a few shots where uh, there's implied nudity, where we're in the water, there's paint all over our bodies. And and, and it just kind of, I think from the both the teaser and the video, it's uh, a little too much that they weren't able to boost it as a promoted post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that's it for Facebook then. <sighs> that's the hard thing as an independent artist. You have to use all the mediums to try to get your music and your art out there. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit frustrated because I wanted to be able to boost something that I thought was an, you know, a piece of art I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to get as many people to see it as possible. So well, the good news is Facebook does not represent the whole of the internet. So. No. And yeah, it can be seen on YouTube and everywhere else. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I appreciate you having me on so that hopefully more people are willing to check it out. Well, listeners, I can tell you that I have seen the video and I enjoyed it. So um, check it out. You can find it on YouTube. It's in a number of locations. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. it's still on Facebook. It's just I can't pay to have more people see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Though. Yes, it's, it's well done. It's, yeah. More money in my pocket, too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely well done. Thank you. Uh, now, you spent... Uh, 10 years in Australia working on some, some stuff. I originally went down in 2006 and uh, I was doing my master's down there mm-hmm. and I fell in love first with the country and then with a man mm-hmm. and got married and built my entire adult life there really. And mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago, my marriage dissolved and I came back for what I thought was a visit and then in one weekend in Toronto, I made more music connections than I had in Australia and decided to stay and explore them. And uh, for a year, was back and forth between Thunder Bay and Toronto. And now I've been permanently in Toronto for 12 months and really excited to That's be great. finally getting my music out there. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. It's a great story. Now, I, did, I found out just before the interview that you're a northern girl. I am. Yes, from Thunder Bay, Ontario. That's great. (laughs) The sleeping giant, right? That's right. (laughs) No, I love Thunder Bay, and it's been pretty cool as it as it often is with your hometown. Like living abroad and then coming back, I have a new appreciation for it. It's a great city, and my mom and dad are there, and I get up quite quite often to visit. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah. What? What is it? Eight hours from here, Toronto? I think. Oh gosh! Uh, is it is it more? No, it's like sixteen. So if you're, you oh, it's know, eight hours from Sudbury, eight hours from Sudbury. Right. So if we, you know, if we take a road trip, we can stop at your place, yeah, 
And then we get in the car the next day and keep driving to mine. <laughs> All right. It's on. Okay. So talk to me about the new record. So it's coming up April 2019, I That's think, the plan. Right? That's okay. the plan. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the plan is to uh, put out a debut album at that time. I've been working with producer Thomas Mackay. Mm-hmm. And I also have a couple other projects cooking at the same time. But my plan is to finally get my music out there. After so many years of kind of dabbling in different projects, I've had this kind of cooking inside for a while. So I'm really excited to finally release and start touring and playing live. I had my first live show ever in Canada last week on November 9th at Adelaide Hall, which is now called Radio. Mm -hmm. Great live show. So excited to be finally doing it live. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the new year. Awesome. You're off to a good start. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay. So you also have got some great songs here, Andra. Mm. So these are the songs that make your skin vibrate for a number of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, your first one uh, also makes my skin vibrate. It is Lazarus by David Bowie. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Oh, gosh. What a song to start with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, the first time I heard this song was also the first time that I saw the video. Mm-hmm. And it impacted me in a huge way because David Bowie was – unwell and we knew that the end was near and it was released only two or three days before he passed Mm -hmm. shot in the hospital with that first lyric as we were talking about you look at me up here i'm in heaven oh (laughs) yeah yeah and um i thought it was perfectly macabre it was a perfect artistic expression of life and death and all that it encompasses. I I was so moved by it, and it still remains something, whether I'm watching the video or not, it uh, certainly is one that makes my skin vibrate and where I have to drop everything else just to allow it to wash over me. Mm-hmm. That is extremely well said. I love that descriptor. It's perfectly macabre because that's exactly how I see it as well. It's 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 dark, but it's it's almost perversely welcoming because it's David Bowie and he makes you feel comfortable with his, you know, his situation. And it's almost like he's kind of reaching out to us. Right. And, and death in darkness is something we shouldn't be afraid to talk about. Mm -hmm. And even in my music, there's a lot that I've written, not released yet, but even afterglow, it has a bit of that feeling to it for me anyway. Mm -hmm. I've always been really fascinated with death and I've always found it something that I, I've never been afraid of, but exploring it almost piques my interest more and find it very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suspect that David Bowie did as well. Mm. You know, I don't think anybody, you know, will ever do what he did with no. Lazarus no. and Blackstar. Yeah. And it, it's just a testament to his genius. And, and I've talked about this on previous episodes. Um, genius isn't a word that I throw around a lot. But David Bowie certainly was a genius. Mm-hmm. Like Bowie, Bowie, Prince, and a few others, I find that, which often happens, I think, when artists leave us, there's this kind of resurgence of their their work, and people, some people start to connect in a new way. And, and that's actually been the case for me, admittedly. Yeah. Um, it's been the past couple of years that I've been getting more and more into David Bowie's music and art and understanding it in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, death instantly cements your legacy. You know, you think about people like Kurt Cobain or, mm. and you become a deity. 
as a, as a result. Mm -hmm. But David Bowie, I felt kind of went beyond that. He almost was bigger than death, yeah. which is, it's just, it's almost unfathomable. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. So next Johnny Cash and Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it has, the, I have the same feeling watching the Hurt music video or listening to the song as I do with Lazarus. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you put those two together because they, uh, yeah, very similar. It's, 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 you know, the end of Johnny Cash's legacy where he releases a song that Trent Reznor says it was like it was written for him, right? Mm -hmm. It's this, it's so powerful. Um, the visuals of the, in the video are breathtaking and shots of Johnny and June together. And yeah, again, it, it, it appeals to my fascination with death, but also with age. Yeah. This, um, sense that, from the moment we're born, we're dying. Mm. We're fading. We're, you know, in the end, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all end up in the same place, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I've always been very fascinated by that and by spirituality and, and what that means. And I know that was something for Johnny as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm just always so moved by that song. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to hear the conversations that he and Trent had about <laughs> that because, you, you know, and that was at the same time, I believe, that, that Johnny did rusty cage mm. right it's stuff that you, you did not expect him to do no i think that hurt was apt i think that was perfect uh rusty cage i was a little bit surprised by but it just seemed like it was i wonder how that whole thing came about i don't know yeah you do you do wonder i mean like <laughs> you listen to most of the nine inch nails records and mm. you, you I, I try to picture myself or picture johnny sitting down and you know putting it on the turntable <laughs> or listening mm -hmm. to <laughs> what, yeah, I don't know. I think it almost, it goes to show you that those emotions are transferable across a number of musical Absolutely. genres. Right? And that's why, you know, one thing I've learned as an artist is that instead of trying to make music that everybody likes, make music that I like. Yes. Because there's an audience for everything. You're going to connect with someone. Mm -hmm. And that's been part of the journey of getting older as well, is you realize you're not for everybody. Mm -hmm. You realize that an artistic expression, it, like th that song now is reaching so many more people because of how Johnny Cash did it. Yes. But it wasn't less impactful for those who loved it when Trent Reznor sang it. That's right. It's just, it's, it's understanding there's different modes of expression. Yep. I, I love that as well. I love that it's a cover and I love that it had further meaning mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love that you said that about writing songs that make you feel something, mm -hmm. right? Obviously that's what the show is all about, but I don't think that you can go wrong in doing that on the way over here. As a matter of fact, I was listening to um, a band. I won't mention who they were, but you can tell that they write songs to try to get a hit out of it. Oh, Right? Most over do. Over and over and over again. But I really do not think you can go wrong by writing good, emotional, genuine music. Think about Bonnie Vera, for example. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and part of it, and again, as an artist, I mean, there's a music business and there's a market. So Certainly. people are trying to write music, particularly if you have the pressure of a label and you're trying to follow up what you did before that was successful. You're, there's certain formulas that are easier to market and push on radio yeah. and whatnot and to sell. Mm -hmm. One of the things for me, I used to be in a project in Australia 
uh, Amon and Audra, <laughs> yeah. which the my musical partner in crime at the time. And his huge thing with me was always he kept saying to me, I don't believe you. I don't believe what you're singing. I, I don't believe that. your feelings. Like why? And to him, the the emotional expression was always more important mm-hmm. than if you were singing in tune, if the, you know, the song came across a certain way musically. Yes. And it was incredible. Like we did this one show on the rooftop overlooking the Brisbane River in Australia. Two nights sold out mm-hmm. um, to release and we recorded an album called Live on the Rooftop. Mm. And in that, we told these stories about, you know, his mother passing and the song he wrote about mm-hmm. some of my personal struggles with depression and a song I wrote called The River. And we would we would talk about these things and then sing them. And by the end of the show, we were all crying, mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah. all of us on stage and all of us in the audience. And there was something so special about that. So even now, as I make music, like... You know, there's bands out there and they're doing a great job marketing what they do and they love, they love that. And there's an audience for that too. Mm-hmm. But for what feels good to me is it has to be connected. Yes. And if that amounts to commercial success someday, that's great. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, it's something that I feel personally connected to and proud of. And you'll never regret it. No. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the true beauty inside music, isn't it? Is I that agree. conveyance of emotion. Yeah. Really. That's yeah. at the core of it for me. Yeah. Whatever the emotion is, there's got to be, you know, a conveyance. I've often said that music is a way to kind of share our emotional identities with each other. Mm. And I think that was a great example of that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, next, you have Madonna and human nature. Oh. <laughs> Tell me about that. We're kind of taking a bit of a turn here. <laughs> right? Like, let's do the, the heavy emotional stuff. <laughs> well, see, this for me is equally emotional, just in a different way. Again, like, see, all of these, I'm talking about the video that goes with the song. I'm Mm -hmm. so visual with songs, which is why my videos, both for Afterglow and Cruel, are so important. And I will continue to release videos with my music. Mm -hmm. When I first saw this, um, the video, you know, there's there she is in latex and leather and there's ropes and there's a lot of BDSM stuff, which is, I think, pretty cool. But the lyrics, I'm not sorry. It's human nature. She's challenging people. She had just released her sex book, mm-hmm. which of course was met with very mixed reviews. And mm-hmm. it was at a time there were the, there was a lot more censorship than what I'm encountering on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and she was so open and at times brash around her sexuality. And I just find it so empowering. So even now I look at her and other female artists that are willing to be unashamedly themselves, unashamedly sexy and you know just put themselves out there in a way where i'm not being sexy or sensual for anybody else it's actually for me it's my personal expression Mm -hmm. and i'm not sorry Mm -hmm. and that's how i feel even um you know with something like afterglow like it's a sexy video i don't think it's over the top sexy and to me it's embodied sensuality yeah it's not for anybody else's um, consumption. It's me expressing myself, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I took from it as well, because, you know, when you think censor, you think there's going to be nudity of some mm-hmm. sort in it, but there isn't. No. It's implied sensuality. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a lot out there, but, but at the same time, the, the, the out front sexuality, if there's a woman who wants to do that, 
And she should be able to do that too. It's not, I'm not, I'm not saying what I did is any better than a girl putting on what she's comfortable with and shaking how she wants. Like that's, that's fine if that's fully her decision and what she's wanting and she's embodying that. Exactly. But, and that's what I think Madonna was doing in that song as well. She's, and not just in that song, but so much of what she did. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time when it came out, I mean, I was quite young, and I remember going into the record store and uh, taking her album, Bedtime Stories, and bringing it up to my mom and saying, Mom, I want this, I want this uh, tape. I think it was cassette tape at the time. Yeah. <laughs> or it was erotica. It was one of them. It was one where I brought it to my mother, and she was like, "Um, I don't know if that's the right one for you, eight-year-old Audra. (laughs) But to me, there was something even in that time growing up where I didn't experience any shame around sexuality, and and I didn't see it as anything that was wrong and that my body was mine. You probably saw it more from an empowerment perspective, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and there was this, you know, woman who was in her video strong and powerful and you know yeah and that statement even now i I live i've lived a lot of my life feeling like i was apologizing for being who i am Mm -hmm. and i was hiding parts of myself and then all of a sudden i was in this place where now i i feel like that where i can say i'm not sorry because i believe the more each of us are openly who we are we can inspire others to do the same because as soon as we put any of ourselves in a box and we hide it we're um, kind of shortchanging the rest of the world. And yourself. I agree. That's a great segue into your next song. It's the Boudoir Project. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, like I said, I was asking if it's okay to put one of my own songs on there in terms of something that makes my skin vibrate. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a collaborative project with a producer in Australia named Nick O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. I have never met Nick in person. I went to one of his shows in Australia. Uh, He was opening for a friend of mine. And I was so moved by his music that Mm -hmm. I sent him a message afterward and was just like, that's one of the most incredible things I've seen in a few years. We planned to eventually do something together. But at that time, I moved back from Australia to Canada. And then when I was here, I my marriage had just broken down. I was um, kind of reeling from all the emotions around that and also like my own kind of repressed sexuality at the time. And I started writing music in my bedroom by myself that I told no one about. Mm-hmm. And I recorded a song one night called Heaven on Earth that I sent to Nick and just said, hey, here's this, uh, <laughs> here's this tune. Thought you might like it. Yeah. The next day I woke up and he had sent it back to me, fully mixed with a swinging shaker and what he called some sex guitar. (laughs) And my mind was blown. I was like, this sounds amazing. A couple of weeks later, you know, I was downstairs again in my bedroom with a bottle of wine by myself, drank that wine, sang some lyrics into the mic that kind of, you know, made my own face flush. Mm Mm-hmm. Sent that to him with a bass line. And again, it came back, this amazing production. Wow. A song called Castle. So these have not been released yet. Mm-hmm. But it's our pet project where Nick and I um, continue to send music back and forth across the ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are planning to release an album next year under the Boudoir Project so as our separately. band name. That's great. Yeah, totally separate, um, which gives me kind of a container for that music and there's something really special in what we're creating. We get each other. There's no, um, I don't need to explain myself to him at all. There's mm-hmm. kind of this understanding. 
And uh, we did, I did debut a couple songs at my show last week, but yeah. that's the last time I'm going to play them under my name. Okay. We're going to release Under the Boudoir Project next year and then hope to tour that, uh, both in Canada and Australia and everywhere else. And That's great. Oh, I'm beyond excited. But those, uh, out of all the music on my list, those are probably the ones that make my skin vibrate the most. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next you've got uh, Portishead and Glory Box. Mm. Talk to me about that. Oh, I love Portishead. I put this on the list, actually, knowing I wanted to talk about the Boudoir Project because it does have hints of Portishead, probably more than hints. Uh, Nick even said himself that he he's always wanted to make an album like Dummy. Mm -hmm. He's always felt like there hasn't been an album of music like that since Portishead released it. So Glory Box is one of those songs that to me, again, I kind of stop everything when I hear it. I just want to lie down, let it wash over me. Mm -hmm. Everything, her her vocals are so present and um, so varied. Mm -hmm. I find that trip hop vibe is something I like bringing into my own music just mm -hmm. because it feels like a really natural expression. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. How about Fools? Late Night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fools is a band I'm dying to see. I, uh, oh, what yeah. is this like 2013? This is probably that was on their Holy Fire record five yeah. years ago. I want to say, is yeah, that right? yeah, yeah, 2013 or 15. It was on the Holy Fire record. Mm -hmm. They've, um, there's a lot of tunes on their more on their more recent album that I love as well. But this one was, I guess, one of the first I heard of theirs that really impacted me. Um, the production, I just, I'm I, I just love the production, mm -hmm. the uh, the progressive nature of the song because it kind of starts and builds and then it yes. gets funkier towards the end. And yeah. I just there the the funk and percussive elements through it, I totally love. Mm -hmm. And it's a song that you know when you want to create a playlist to just put on in the car. Mm -hmm. So for our road trip to Sudbury and then on to Thunder Bay, yeah. that's on it. All right, done. Yeah, late night. So how are we going to build that? Do you want me to send mine over to you? And Well, considering you do this show, I'm sure you have an entire bank of songs I we do. could put on there. <laughs> so I'm happy for you to curate the list and then I'll edit it All right, and just give the, the ticks. And you we'll create it. a progressive playlist to go take us from morning to night. Perfect. Yeah. It's going to have to be a long playlist. <laughs> <laughs> At least 16 hours to Thunder Bay. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Daniel Johns is next. So this mm. guy is the front man for Silver Chair, I think, right? He was, yeah. This tune's called well, is, Preach. Was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually talking to Nick O'Donnell about this one the other day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this Daniel Johns really surprised everybody when he came out with Preach and then the other songs on that record. Because he went out with a solo project. So people are going, oh, Silver Chair, we can't wait. Yeah. And it's completely different. Mm. It's uh, Nick was talking about it because it's a, one of the songs that he might test a sound system with because oh. the, the bass frequencies are so low and full. And again, the production's incredible on this track. Mm -hmm. Daniel John sings in a falsetto for a big part of that song, mm -hmm. um, as well as others on his record. But I just find, yeah, the uh, kind of more of an R&B nature to it. And the theme, too, he, he the some of the lyrics, I dance to my own beat, and now I preach to the lonely. And I, I personally connect to that for mm -hmm. where I'm at right now. Yeah, you know, I even I I used to be a worship leader in a church. No way. Yeah. In Thunder Bay. <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, not in Thunder Bay. No, Where? when I was in Australia. 
No yeah. way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was at um, New Hope Brisbane, an awesome church in the heart of Brisbane, and I was the worship leader, music director there for a couple of years. I was at that church about seven years, yeah. No way. You don't strike oh, yeah? me as the religious type. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you could say that, but I mean, you know, religion and spirituality is still just as important to me. Mm. And I know, like, I know even for some people in the church, they've... Uh, seen me in, you know, worship leading in what was what is a strongly Pentecostal and fundamental charismatic church to doing what I'm doing now. I mean, we've been talking about like sexy music for a big part of it. And I realized that for some people that's there's a big split. And that was something I had to reconcile myself. Like this has always felt like part of my expression. And my spirituality just like everything else, it's been part of me since the beginning. I wasn't brought up in a religious home. It was something I came to when I was 15. And then when I went to Australia, like my relationship with God became even more important um, as I realized that my life meant more the more that I explored the spiritual side of myself. And I know that when I first uh, left that church and when I stopped worship leading, it really upset some people. Mm. Um, But people who knew me best and know my heart and have a bit more of an open mind also see that perhaps me doing my music outside of the church might help more people connect with God or with themselves. Mm -hmm. It might not seem that way because I'm not doing contemporary Christian music. But for me, um, you know, reconciliation has been a big theme. I had a dream back in, that was when I was at the church, was probably seven years ago, where someone came up to me as I was leading worship at the church and said, he walked right up to me and said, Second Corinthians 5 is really important for you. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. And it was so vivid, like right in front of me, like you sitting across from me there. And I went and I read that, and there's a section in the Bible that talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, that became kind of a life theme, and it still is. And it's not just about reconciling people to God. It's also reconciling to yourself, to your own heart, to your family, to your community. But for me, it's really the fragmented parts of the self is where it begins. If I'm not allowed to be all of who I am and connect those parts of me, mm-hmm. I'm never really going to discover what it means to be fully accepted by my creator. Right. So that's where I come from. And even now, like we talk about reconciliation in Canada and uh, reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. I do a lot of work in the Indigenous space, mm-hmm. done work with the Ontario Native Women's Association. Downey Wenjack Fund is doing some incredible work across Canada in yes. terms of awareness of residential schools. Definitely. Um, and I've been partnering with them a bit on a few things. And for me, again, it's just that theme. It's actually going, what do we need to do to connect more to each other, mm-hmm. to heal things that have been broken? What do I need to do to connect more to parts of myself that feel broken? Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, with spirituality, in whatever way you understand that, how do we then connect to that higher force that's bigger than us, and which I call God, but how do I connect in a more meaningful way? Mm-hmm. And for a while, I compartmentalized myself so much, and I used to think I could only choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. And my first video, Cruel, is very much about that. You'll see dark, and you'll see light. You'll almost see these two personas. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that the real me is actually found in not being afraid of any of it. And I'm not sorry. 
<laughs> you are a very intriguing individual, Audra Santa. I'm glad. I'm glad you're letting me talk about all this stuff. Might make you edit it later, but no, I'm no, fine I won't. I'm kidding. Hey, this is your platform, right? All right. So uh, next up, you've got Florence and the Machine and Big God. Speaking of which, oh right, yeah. Oh, Florence. Yeah, I love her. I love her. Again, another powerful female artist who just sings and gives her whole heart. And because, you know, because faith and spirituality is important to me, I bring often themes into my music as well. Mm -hmm. um, her, her song there, Big God, when I actually, like the video is amazing. Oh, yes. gosh, you should watch it if you haven't. I have seen it, yeah. Uh, I, again, I think it's uh, super inspiring, the way that they use water the dancers around her, the colors, and it has a bit of this, you know, singing big God. And then there's almost a bit of a dark, the way she's dancing would probably bother people. And mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing around that exploration, again, is not being afraid. And I find her, you know, the song, she's actually talking about being ghosted. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It'd, yeah. it'd be a text, right? Yeah. yeah. So here I, here she is, what it sounds like a really big, you know, themes of <laughs> life and death and spirit and God and all that. And what she's really talking about is someone not texting her back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, ghosting is such a thing. Like people really, it's, uh, I've, it's even for me going back in kind of a dating scene. Yeah. It's, uh, quite incredible how many people don't follow through, do what they say they're going to do, disappear out of nowhere and don't have the courage to have the, the, a conversation about it. Yeah. You know, I admire and respect people who are straight up. And uh, if something's not working for you, you know, be honest. I will always honor where people are at on their walk. And I'd rather people be honest. And I can, I can totally empathize with Florence <laughs> <laughs> being ghosted and the feelings around that. It's not, not a fun time. No, no, no it's not. <laughs> okay. Your last tune, Audra is one of my favorites. It comes from my favorite Radiohead record. Mine as well. In rainbows. And it is called Reckoner. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a question before you start. So do you agree with me when I say when you listen to In Rainbows, the first two songs do not match the, the rest of the record mm. in terms of vibe? I've always found that. And what I will do when I listen to In Rainbows is I will skip through those first two songs to Nude, which is number three, which I'm surprised is not on your list, by the way. Oh, I love them. Yeah, right. <laughs> How many? We should do a whole theme next time. Next time, if you have me on, we'll just do. <laughs> we could. Um, I, I've always looked at it. Yes, they don't, they might not fit, but I've always looked at a lot of albums. And because my music has felt in a lot of ways kind of, uh, fragmented, mm -hmm. I just see it as, as a progression, right. I guess. I do the same. I mean, sometimes I skip right to Reckoner, to be honest, because like, mm. it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're different, but it's not, um, just like with any, any record, I, I love being able to sit down and hear it in its entirety and how an artist presented it, even if it doesn't connect as much until we get to song three or four. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I love Reckoner. I Me just, too. yeah, it's still one of my favorite Radiohead songs. I nearly, yeah, there were others I could have put on here, but, um, the use of rhythm and, uh, time signatures yeah. the uh the tambourine that's so present in the track they like yeah. everything about it i am always so moved that melody you know radiohead it has a, a unique ability to use melody 
you know, to their advantage. And there's a part in that song, the first time, I think it's the second verse dedicated to all human beings. What he does with that, 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 Mm -hmm. that vocal melody is just incredible in my opinion. Yeah. I fully agree. Mm. I fully agree. You transported somewhere. Yeah, really. Definitely. Have you heard the Gnarls Barkley cover? Uh, Of Reckoner? Yes. No. Is it good? Yes. (laughs) Really? I'm surprised by that. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's you know you get it, the the original. I find I connect with more, but it's uh, yeah one of the first times when I was first hearing the song, um, I had heard his cover as well, and I thought it was excellent. Really? Yeah. Mm, I'll have to check it yeah, out. I know I know it's on YouTube. I don't know if I've heard just the recording before. Yeah, there's something about his voice carrying it as well. Yeah, I'll yeah. check that out for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as an added surprise, you are going to be performing a song for us today. Is that I right? I will. And right. well, I have Michael Savona here on guitar and I'm Welcome, very Michael. excited. I 
love so cruel It's all too much All too much, all too much Thank you. Well, thank you very much for doing the show. That was fun. We, I thought you did a great job. Um, thank you. Thank you're amazing. You're a great interviewer. So oh, I really thank appreciated, you. Thank you very appreciated much. Appreciated that. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Awesome. Well, come back anytime. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anytime you yeah. just need a. If you ever find somebody ducks out last minute or anything, you just need a filler. <laughs> let me know. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, certainly you've got more than nine songs to talk about. Oh. So come back and and we'll do more. Yeah. And we have a road trip to go on too, so right? don't forget about that. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. This has been No Sleep Till Subbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Miss Audra Santa. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subbury. Leftover people and all my favorite people are broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon worldwide. <laughs>